Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills, located in Dover, New Jersey. Our desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application for our lives. With that in mind... Here's Solomon saying, listen, what you are on the inside is more important than how you smell. What you are on the inside is more important than how you look. Because at the end, in a funeral, everybody's just lying in a box. That's it. And what matters is your reputation. What matters is your life. What matters is how you live. Then he says something completely shocking. He says, and the day of death idea is better than than the day of one's birth. The book of Ecclesiastes can come across as very cynical to some, but wisdom produces sobriety. As we listen to Solomon pour out his heart in the form of these proverbs, we can glean so much from his thoughts and observations about life. The end of life should be greater than its beginning if it's a life well lived. While some may consider this a morbid account, it's these kinds of ponderings that can produce great character in a man who takes these words to heart in light of the kingdom of God. Now let's open our Bibles and join Pastor Jim for part one of his message entitled, How Can I Learn Through Adversity? Well, in our verse-by-verse study of the book of Ecclesiastes, we have been quoting some very famous theologians, not famous theologians of the Christian faith, famous theologians of our world and our culture. So I want to begin with one today, and uh, this one will let you know how old you are. Twenty years ago, a famous theologian said this, life was like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. Now, I know a lot of you say, I know that famous theologian, it's Forrest Gump. He's actually quoting mama, (laughs) because it was his mama who said it. Ecclesiastes puts it differently, verse 14, 714, in the day of prosperity be joyful, but in the day of adversity consider, surely God has appointed the one as well as the other, so that man can find out nothing that will come after him. We all know that life is a series of surprises, isn't it? Some really good, some not so good. Life is like a, a roller coaster. Sometimes it's great, it's exciting. Other times you you feel like you're holding on for dear life, and sometimes you throw up, right? (laughs) We're halfway through Ecclesiastes. There's not as many sermons in the back end as there is in the front end. So I'd really just like to encourage you, uh, don't miss this guy. King Solomon has a lot to tell us about life. I mean, he's a He's a guy who had everything that the world says that we're supposed to have. And interestingly enough, he's still searching for meaning. He's still trying to figure out what's what's going on. We've been going through this book of the Bible, and instead of just having mere sermon titles, all of our sermon titles have been questions. And so our question today is, how can I learn through adversity? How can I learn through adversity? How can I learn from the bad things, the downside of the roller coaster? 
If you're a Christian, I'm sure you've come to realize this. Well, first off, if you're not, thank you for being here. Really glad you're here. I actually hope to become your friend. Because I remember there was a day when I wasn't a Christian. I still have more days as not a Christian than I do as a Christian, although it's getting close. (laughs) And if you're a Christian, you know that even if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you're sold out, you're, you're committed to the Lord, you go to church on Sunday, you've realized that you don't get a free pass on the ups and downs of life, do you? Not at all. But what we get is really, really special. What we get is a relationship with the Lord. And I have to tell you, I almost am sick of that term because people banter it about like, well, you know, have a relationship with God and and say it in such a cavalier fashion that sometimes I think, do you understand the depth of what that means? Do you understand how deep God really wants to dig your spirituality? Because God is like a friend and like a father who gladly meets us in the ups and downs of life. But as humans, and in particularly as Americans, I think we have to admit that we hate the downs of life. We can't wait till they're over. We hate being uncomfortable. We hate having to wait for things. And I think the Bible writers would tell us that it's so easy for us to miss out on the depth of a relationship with God if we ignore the ups and downs of life, especially if we ignore the downs when it feels like we're holding on for dear life. The end of chapter 6 was helpful in moving us into the next section. The Bible wasn't written in chapter and verse that was put in for us to make it easier for us to find stuff. And Ecclesiastes is a very difficult book to outline because it's wisdom literature. It seems kind of random. A lot of the sections end when he says, this is vanity, this is meaningless, this is the breath of life. And so he ended that in chapter 6, verse 9, and chapter 6, verse 10, so move backwards a little, he says this, whatever one is, some versions say what has come to be, whatever one is, he has been named already. What does that mean? Well, things catch us by surprise, right? But God's not like, oh my goodness, what's, what's going on? Nothing catches him by surprise. And he goes on, he says, For it is known that he is man, and he cannot contend, some versions say dispute, with him who is mightier than he. So you and I can argue with God all we want. And God is remarkably tolerant. Just read the Psalms of our arguing with him. Uh, but don't expect to get too far. So if you happen to be hanging out with your friends at the bar, and I don't mean your attorney friends, I mean your friends at the bar, and I got a few things to say to the man upstairs when I meet him, you can be like, well, you're wasting your time. (laughs) You're not going to get too far in that conversation. Chapter 6, verse 11, since there are many things that increase vanity... Uh, Some versions say, the more words, the more vanity. The more you keep complaining to God, the sillier it is. How is man the better? So the more we complain to God, for if we want to spend the rest of our life complaining, we'll realize that we'll just be more confused, more distraught, more angry with God. And verse 12, he ends with a couple questions that usher us into our section today. He says, for who knows what is good for man in life? Now, the expected answer is, well, well, God, right? He knows. He made us. 
all the days of his vain life. Now, God's not saying you're a loser. Short. Who knows what's good for you and I, all the days of this short life, which he passes like a shadow. That's how quick it is. You know a shadow, right? It, it comes and it goes. It comes and it goes. You know, when you're sitting in the shade, right? You've got to keep moving your chair because the, the shade keeps moving. Who can tell a man what will happen to him under the sun, this side of heaven? So if God is the only one who knows what's going to happen, what are we supposed to do? Well, one thing is we start to admit that we have a limited knowledge of what's going on. We have a limited knowledge of even what's best for us. We have a limited knowledge of the future. Also, we have to live wisely and accept what the Lord sends or the Lord allows and put it under the banner, under the tent of his sovereignty, his controlling of the world all the while learning lessons that will help us trust him more, even when things are very difficult. But it also includes, and I realize this is somewhat odd, there's a lot about the Bible that's just odd. It's just strange because we're earthlings. <laughs> and, and everything we do is, is opposite of what God does, right? Of what God wants. It's our bent. So it also includes being on the lookout for what's good in what seems to be amazingly awful at the time. Ecclesiastes is wisdom literature. So Solomon, or the Bible writer, it might be an autobiographer, is going to teach us with a series of proverbs how to handle and how to think about adversity. Some of the things that we're going to read at first glance seem to make no sense at all. And this shows us why we have to carefully study the Word of God. This is a book you got to sit on. You really have to sit on. Yesterday, worked on the sermon. My typical thing is to work on it Thursday morning, uh, 7 to 11. And then Friday, I put on the do not disturb sign or beware of the dog sign on my office. My wife doesn't come anywhere near me. And Friday until I'm, I'm done, and I just come out like, looking like Einstein, a mad scientist, young Frankenstein or something like that. And, and, and I'm really wrestling my way through Ecclesiastes, and, and I just said to Pam, I need to sit on it more. And I went to visit a friend in the hospital yesterday, and then I had to drive out to Long Island to see my mom who was in the hospital. And I brought a recorder with me, as I always do when I'm in the car, and I came home, and Pam's like, what are you doing? And I go, I'm writing the sermon. She said, what do you mean you're writing the sermon? Why, why do you think I was beware of the dog on Friday? And I said, Ecclesiastes, you've got to sit on. You've got to sit on it. Or it's just, it, it's not as obvious as it looks. And, and so a lot of people think that the Bible writer is a pessimist. I, I don't really agree. I think he's a realist. And wisdom makes people realists. And he commends joy often in this book as he keenly observes the world. And so four things that I think he wants to draw our attention to as we think about learning through adversity. Number one, look at your life. Look at your life. Oddly enough, he takes us to a funeral. Now, before we even go here, I just want to stop for a second. You know, uh, I always say that in a, in a funeral, when a pastor gets to do a funeral, you really are not speaking to the, first, the people in the first couple rows. Because oftentimes they're just devastated. They're not really able to absorb what's being said. You're talking to the people in the back rows. 
Now, a wedding is the exact opposite. The people in the front are the only ones listening. Right? Everybody else is like, come on, we're going to get to the party, preacher. You know, pick up the pace. But I want to just say here that, that when I'm talking about, we're talking about learning at a funeral, uh, we're not talking about when you, when you lose a spouse. We're not talking about when you lose a child. That's not a learning opportunity. I mean, you're just trying to breathe. You're just trying to breathe. And but the only thing you can do is grieve and lean on the Lord Jesus. As with my mom yesterday, a lot of tears, a lot of tears, not over the fact that she's in the hospital. Most of you know my sister died five months ago, my little sister. And my mom can't understand why she's not over it. And I'm like, Mom, it's only been five months, right? It's not a lack of faith. You're brokenhearted. Cut yourself some slack. So if you've lost a loved one and you feel like you haven't learned the lesson, just cut yourself some slack in this section. What he's really talking about is he's talking about we all go to a lot of funerals, right? And a lot of them are just people that we just kind of knew. We're not sitting in the front. We don't have the, the box seats to it. We're sitting in the back, and we just knew the person, and we, we go there. And, and he says, you've got to learn some stuff. And look at your life. Look what he says, verse 1. A good name, and the idea is a good reputation. What people say about you at the end of the day. A good name is better than precious ointment. What, what, what do you mean precious ointment? Money. Something that you could afford that other people don't have. We have a, a hygiene system here, so we can make ourselves look pretty good on the outside and, and smell pretty good. And the precious ointment, well, they didn't have that, so that would make you smell pretty good. And here's Solomon saying, listen, what you are on the inside is more important than how you smell. What you are on the inside is more important than how you look. Because at the end, in a funeral, everybody's just lying in a box. That's it. And what matters is your reputation. What matters is your life. What matters is how you live. And then he says something completely shocking. He says, and the day of death, idea is better than, than the day of one's birth. Now, if he's a pessimist, he's saying, ah, I can't wait to get out of this place. Place is beat. I don't think that's what he's saying at all. Better to go to the house of mourning than to go to the house of feasting. Now he's talking about a better name. How you live is more important. So he said it's better to go to a funeral. If you want to really think about life, it's actually better to go to a funeral than a party. Let me ask you, when's the last time you went to a Super Bowl party and you walked up to your friend and he's just sipping a beer? watching the game, and you go, hey, how's it going? Ah, not too bad. What have you been up to? Yeah, just sitting here thinking about death. That doesn't happen at parties. You don't think about death at parties. You don't think about your life. You're living in the moment, right? You're living in the moment. And he says that when you go to a funeral, that's the place. Better to go to the house of mourning than the house of feasting, for that is the end of all men, and the living will take it to heart. The house of mourning is the end for all of us. Verse 3, sorrow is better than laughter. Now, if you're going to engage in thinking about your life, sorrow is better than laughter. For by a sad countenance, the heart is made better. The heart of the wise is in the house of mourning, but the heart of fools is in the house of mirth, mirth, pleasure. So, so someone who is wise thinks about life. What is someone who is in the house of pleasure? What do they do? Nothing wrong with pleasure. This book's had a lot about pleasure, but there has to be a time when we think about life as well. Someone in the house of pleasure, what do they do? Well, they drink their sorrows away. 
drugs, a lot of people with technology. Got to have the latest gadget, and just if I spend my whole day on technology or on the internet, I'll forget about life. Shopping, working. That's what I do. When I get down, I just go to work. My wife's like, does that relax you? I go, no, I just forget about everything. And here's a guy, King Solomon, he's very rich. This is not some poor guy going, ah, rich people. They're not doing any kind of, nah, not at all. This is a rich guy, has everything. And he says, and just imagine him teaching to like a group of leaders or something like that, saying, listen, guys, understand this. Your character can't be bought. Your character is worth far more than what you have, than your money, than your possessions. And so funerals, more than, more than parties, help us to see what's really important. And he says here that the living will take it to heart. Now again, that seems really odd, doesn't it? But again, the Bible's full of such odd stuff. Jesus says, we'll say this a thousand years later, blessed are the poor in spirit. Theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are those who mourn. What? They shall be comforted. Unfortunately, most people don't take God seriously. They don't see that they need him until a disaster, right? Until a sickness, until a loss of a job or a, or a business failure or a death. And it seems that God is willing to let whatever it takes have happened to open our eyes to get us to look at him and to look at our lives. For most people, death is absolutely the worst thing possible. That's why it makes no sense when you'd be like, the, the day of death is better than the day of birth. Man, this guy's depressed. Not unless he's thinking as God thinks. I mean, some people are absolutely paralyzed by the thought of death. Now, again, I'm not talking about the process. I mean, most of us would prefer to you know, go to sleep one night and wake up and be like, oh, Jesus, hey, how are you? Right? <laughs> None of us want to go through a long, protracted illness, the process, of course. I mean, don't, be, don't be silly. But some people live in complete fear of death, paralyzed by it. They don't, they don't want to do anything. But Hebrews 2.15 says this, that Jesus released those who through the fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. You see, for a follower of Jesus, death is absolutely better than the day of birth. Because it's the entrance into heaven. And that's way better than the entrance into earth. That's why the Apostle Paul said, For me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. Oh man, the celebration of a follower of Jesus arriving into heaven pales in comparison to a baby shower. It's a great joyous day. But think about it. When a new baby arrives, if you've ever held a newborn baby, you, you, you look at that baby, and you know if you're a real negative person, we said last, last time you're going to be like, ah, this world's beat, sorry for you, kid. But, but really, if you're a normal person, somewhat normal, <laughs> you look, especially if it's your kid, you think of, man, there's just, you have so many hopes, and you have so many dreams. Not, not for your kid being what you never were, but just you want the best for your kid. But friend, don't you realize that heaven is the realization of all the hopes and dreams of life? That's why it's better. That's why it's better than the day of birth. And so funerals get the wise to look at their lives 
because they realize it's never too late to ask, where do I stand with God? Friend, let me ask you, think about that just for a second, or maybe think about that today and tomorrow. Where do you stand with God? And it's never too late to say, how am I going to live with the short time I have left on this earth? When I was driving yesterday, I was going through the radio stations and, you know, they have those endless talk shows on the, on, the, on the radio on the weekends of all these products you can buy. And they had this one that was guaranteed to make you feel much better when you're old. And so they had this, they had this, they, the guy goes, oh, we did this study of, of older people, of older men, and, and, and we were, you know, the, this percentage increase, and this was better, and that was better, and I was thinking, I got to remember that stuff when I get older. And he says, yes, our study included men between the ages of blank and blank. I'm like, that's my age group. <laughs> yeah. I lived in California for a short time when I was graduated from college, and Guys used to wear shirts and hats that said, old men rule. Old guys rule. I'm like, I could wear that now. See, when we go to funerals, people get up and they, they talk about the deceased. It's only natural for us to think, what will people say about me? Well, will they say that I was wise. Will they say that my life made a difference or their lives were changed because I was in their life? Don't you think about that? I think about that stuff. Or, or will they kind of just go over it like, yeah, you know, loving husband, devoted father. Hey, food after the, after the service. But will they say it was about you and me? Will they say it was a life well lived? Will they say we lived to our potential? Or will there be just this overall feeling of, man, that was a wasted life. See, when a, when a follower of Jesus faces death, and the shortness of life, when they look it straight in the eye, if we're willing to make the adjustments, it will dramatically increase the chance for a meaningful life. The Bible teaches that God has set the day of your death. The Bible says it is appointed for a man or for a woman to die once and then the judgment. It's set. God knows it. But did you also know that God has also appointed the funerals that you would go to? So you would take that as an occasion to look at your life. Number two, listen to the wise. Learning through adversity, being prepared for adversity, listen for the wise. He says, verse five, it is better to hear the rebuke of the wise than for a man to hear the song of fools. For like the crackling of thorns under the pot, so is the laughter of the fool. This is also vanity. You're like, what is the crackling of thorns under a pot? Well, just imagine that you're you know, living uh, 3,000 years ago, and you didn't have electricity. Can you believe it? <laughs> they didn't have electricity. They didn't have air conditioning. They didn't have screens to keep the bugs out. <laughs> so anyway, when they wanted to cook, they had to get a pot and get some logs. And to get the fire started, they would go out and they'd get some thorn bushes because they would light quickly. And uh, what would happen is they'd light quickly and they'd pop, pop, pop and they'd get the logs going. So that's how they started the fire. And so it's better to, to take the rebuke from the wise person than to hear the songs of fool because the songs of fool are like the crackling of thorns under a pot. They're, they're, they, they go up and smoke quick. They're here today and gone tomorrow. This is something that 
that I've really learned a lot about over the years is wise men and women know when they're on fire. (laughs) They know when things are not going well and they don't sing the songs of fools. They sing the songs of the wise and they come and they say, I need help. Thank you for listening to Changed by Love, the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Dover, New Jersey. Our desire here at Changed by Love is simply to bring you the life-changing message of Jesus Christ by teaching you the Bible in a simple, easy-to-follow way. With that being said, we try to put our messages into as many people's hands as possible for a very low cost and often free of charge to anyone who contacts us. Did you know that all of our messages can be found for free on our website? changedbyloveradio.com That's changedbyloveradio.com Please check out our website and hit the Contact Us button to tell us something about yourself or request a CD copy of a message. Here at Changed by Love, we depend on the grace of God as well as the generosity and prayers of our loyal listeners. So thank you to all of you who are prayerfully and financially supporting our program. We would love to hear from you and pray you drop us a card or a letter to Changed by Love 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey. And don't forget to contact our friends at this radio station and tell them that you are being blessed by Changed by Love. It would be a great encouragement to them. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you will make plans to join us again next time, right here on this station, for more practical Bible teaching from the book of Ecclesiastes with Pastor Jim Kevney, passionately proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ to a world that needs to hear.